As you can see, we are in the middle of a series called Searching for Christmas. We started that one last week, and to kind of continue on in that, we're honored to have this morning a special guest. He was kind of not really a guest. He, he crossed over into unofficial member a number of years ago, I don't know, like 20 plus years ago when he started coming here, Pastor Jim. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Jim LaFoon is an incredible friend of this church, a mentor of, of my families and a number of, of us on staff here for many years. Uh, he bases out of North Carolina, excuse me, East North Carolina, now in Nashville, Tennessee, Although he remains a diehard Carolina basketball fan. So uh, there you go. Duke lost yesterday. Congratulations. Yes, God be, God be praised. There you go. I'm all off on my, 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 my roll. I'm out of my flow now, so i got to get, get it back. Uh, yeah, so Jim travels the world. He's part of the senior leadership team of Every Nation Churches and Ministries, of which Mosaic is a part. Uh, travels and speaks. He's a tremendous Bible teacher, got a great counseling gift, a, a tremendous prophetic gift. And uh, I've lost track of the times I've seen Jim walk into a space and by the power of the Holy Spirit bring someone close to Jesus, see a breakthrough in their life, a healing in their body, some kind of thing. And so we're grateful for his friendship. He's, he gets to go to churches of all kind of sizes and, and shapes and all over the, the world. World, different countries, but he makes us a priority year in and year out, and we're so we're very thankful for that. Thank you for being here, Pastor Jim. Would you guys please stand and give a warm mosaic welcome for our friend Jim LaFoon? Well, praise the Lord. Can we give God one last great hand today? How many of you enjoy Christmas time? Yes. Having a great time myself, and I mean, God has blessed me. I got in late last night, and Nathan picked me up, your, one of your staff members, and he was willing to sacrifice and take me to Rudy's for a little snack. We snacked on prime rib, we snapped on brisket, and a little bit of sausage. Anyway, drank a lot of Rudy's tea, and I woke up this morning, and angels brought breakfast tacos. So anyway, I'm very thankful. Of course, I, only know, I also love the food in Austin. Because I like Morgan and Carrie in the church some too. All righty. We're in a series entitled Searching for Christmas. Morgan began that last week and he talked out of the book of Micah about Jesus as our king. And he'll explore Hosea with you some, which is a very interesting book to say the least next week. And then as you come into Christmas Eve, Zechariah. I want to tag on to that theme, Searching for Christmas by going into the New Testament and understanding what's at the essence of this and what kind of people does God use to see its reality come to cities, families, and lives. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for Mosaic Church. I've been coming here for more than two decades now, and I'm so blessed by what I see. I thank you, Lord, for all the growth you've brought here and all the growth that's coming. Hundreds and hundreds of more people will come here one day into the thousands, and we're thankful for that. We're also thankful for you this morning, Lord. Father, we say so many trite sayings like he's the reason for the season, and most don't even understand what that means. And help us capture part of the essence of what you're doing, Lord. Amen. I'm going to break this message into two simple parts. I'm going to talk about a confrontation, then a cast. I'm going to violate a lot of rules of preaching today by using, talking about too many things in one message. So, sorry for that in advance. It's okay to break the rules as long as you know them. And it, I'm kidding. In many ways, I'm going to 
many ways I'm going to tell you a story more than preach you a sermon. You know, when we get beyond Christmas trees and manger scenes and gift giving and all the sentiment, whether it be good or bad around your Christmas, and I remember for, for many of you, Christmas is a joyous time of year. For some of you, some of your greatest pain and trauma manifests this time of year. I understand that. But at the very essence of Christmas is the fact that God in his son Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, second person Trinity, became human to destroy the work of the devil and set us free. First John 3, 8 says, the reason Jesus was born was to destroy the devil's work. In the middle of this beautiful story is a violent confrontation between good and evil. That God became man in order to be murdered. And when the devil murdered God, he murdered himself and his power was broken. And we find in Hebrews 2, 14 through 15, since we have flesh and blood, he shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. What's this story all about? Setting the human race free from every form of oppression pain. Now, although the Christmas story will never be repeated, we'll never have another virgin birth, God is not going to be born of the virgin again, what God is after is repeated over and over. God is looking everywhere to find a man, to find a woman, to find a child, to find a group who is willing to freshly birth his heart and his purpose into a city country, place. I sat in a very dangerous country some months ago with a precious Muslim couple. They're eight months old in the Lord. He was illiterate. They had no passport, no future on the natural, and they'd already led 160 of their fellow Muslims to Christ in eight months. It's now well over 1,000. And I sat with them, I'd been sent because their third son had just been tortured to death by ISIS. And ISIS had sent them a picture to remind them. Their first son was blown to pieces by artillery fire. Their second son had had leukemia. And been instantaneously healed as a Christian worker had prayed for him. Light came and he was healed, documented. 250 Muslims were saved through that healing alone. And I sat with them, this couple, you never would have picked them to be used of God like they were being used. Humble, baby Christians. And, I, and I, I told this man, and you would have never picked him out of a crowd. I mean, how do you come over the trauma of looking at your tortured to death son? I said, how are you doing? And he said, I'm better. Speaking to an interpreter, some of the Christian workers, I'm older. They, age is really respected in the Middle East. And I went. And it's a place close enough where the ground can shake with artillery fire. And I said, why are you better? He said, well, I dreamed the other night. And he said, remember, he's illiterate. And he said, he said can't read. He said, I saw Jesus on his throne. And, 
all these people, they were like hundreds and thousands and they were wearing white robes. And I saw my son and I was happy. Well, he saw the book of Revelation. Now, God takes, is still taking people like he and his wife, ordinary people, and doing extraordinary things with them. You never fully understand God and his ways until you ponder scriptures like 1 Corinthians 26 and 28, where God says, the people I chose, many of them weren't influential, they weren't geniuses, they weren't favorite, famous athletes, they were broken, they were weak, they struggled, just like you and I. But I chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things of the world to nullify everything else. You ever wonder why God chose someone like you and I? Just read that passage. <laughs> Chooses fearful people, hurting people, unbelieving people. There are celebrities. I've looked many of them in the eye, and they're just as afraid as you are. There are no unbroken people on this planet. There are no pain-free people. And when you look into the cast of Christmas... When you look into the men and women God uses, it'll fill your heart with hope. Because if God can use them, if God can transform them, if God can make their buried dreams come true, he can do the same for you. Now, I want to concentrate on four people, but I'm going to just mention two by name before we get into the key four. Behind everything God does, someone prays. Never doubt it. You're getting ready to go into January to your week of prayer and fasting. And never underestimate the power of prayer. What it can do. In the background of this whole story is an old man named Simeon and an old man named Anna. Anna's in her 80s. Simeon the Bible said, is very old, and he was told by God, you will not die until the Messiah comes. How many of you, that's just kind of a crazy promise. They'd been waiting, the Jewish people had, for centuries. But somehow he believed, and we don't know how old he was, very old. Every day he was praying in this Messiah. Every day for years, this old man, you never would have noticed him in your church. He'd have sat in the back, maybe he'd had a walker, maybe you'd have helped him in. So obscure, praying, crying out. And one day, the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, moved on him. And he walked into the temple, saw with his very eyes what he had been praying for. The other woman it mentions, and the passage of the scripture will be on the slides, her name was Anna. She'd married, young girl, filled with vitality. Husband died when she was very young. And she knew, I'll never marry again. I'm going to move into the temple and pray every day. It had been decades. Could have been, who knows, 60 years she's living in the temple. There was a band of other people, and the Bible describes them by saying, they were all looking forward to his coming. This band of old women, this band of old men, praying and crying out. And one day, as she lived in the temple, she walked around the corner, and there he was, being carried in the arms of Mary. Only a person that's been waiting and watching could even recognize him from the thousands of other babies dedicated there. 
The power of prayer. Never underestimate it. We have a great staff, great elders here. It's wonderful. You see him preach. You see him lead worship. But behind the scenes, what you don't see is the scores of people who, like Anna and Simeon, are praying this dream into reality. Some of you are learning to pray right now. There are people sitting in this room who you'll wake up at night burdened for this church. People's names will come to your mind. Never underestimate the power of that. But the story itself really is about two couples. One of the couples, they're priestly. They've got all the legacy in the world. All the lineage. Levitical family. Descendants of Aaron. Old. The other couple, young, not even married. She was probably 14. He in his 20s. And the last thing that these couples would have ever dreamed is God was going to change all of human history through their lives. And if God can do it through them, what might he do through you? Who have what they never had, a full canon of scripture, a church family, revelation, and history. The older couple, his name was Zachariah. Her name was Elizabeth. We know from Luke 1 through 5 through 8, they were really special people. The Bible says they were holy and faithful, righteous. Had been for years. How many of you know, as much as we talk about faith, I love faithfulness. Anyone can be faithful when you've got faith. But how about the days you have no faith, yet you just obey? Those days, you act like you have faith, even if you don't feel it. You read your Bible when you don't want to. You come to church when you're beat. You give when it doesn't make sense. Now, there's time when life doesn't add up because when you look at this passage, it says they were blameless, they were holy, and they were childless. Now she was past menopause. There are times in your life where it's not going to add up that your faithfulness does not produce the very thing you've dreamed about. Now it's too late. And being childless in that period of time was a terrifying stigma. Far worse than today. A lot of internal pain today. Then it was almost a public shame. All hope gone. Menopause come and gone. Yet still faithfully serving. Because there's a time you serve not for what you want, but because of who he is. They just served. They waited a lot of years, and some of you find yourself today waiting for this dream. And because you see life through the lens of yourself, like we all do, you always ask, what's wrong with me? This hasn't happened. Does God love me? Does he care? Let me tell you, there are times when you are waiting and it's not about you. It's about a larger plan of God. Why were they waiting? Because this child they would bear was born to announce the Messiah and he could not be born until God was ready to send his son. When you're waiting, does it make any sense? Could it be? It's just not about you. 
I remember when Kathy was so sick and she'd had seizures and couldn't drive for years and been treated for cancer and all that. It never made sense. Why did it take so many years? Because we had to meet every girl we'd end up adopting. And she was healed. Took hindsight to see it, but it wasn't about her faith. Many of you like this couple, you say, Jim, I'm righteous. I've been waiting days, months, years. One of the most profound verses there. When you come into Luke 1, 9 through 12, you find the reality of that day. Said he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying. You understand in those days, they didn't have the privilege you and I had. In those days, the holy of holies, the high priest could go once a year. He's the only one that could really come into the depths of God's presence. You get it every Sunday. You can also have it Monday through Saturday if you choose. And this old man had been faithfully doing his duty. We make duty a bad word. There's nothing wrong with it. There is a Christian duty. That's beyond your feelings or beyond your dreams coming true. I have a duty to God. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter how my life's going. This old man did his duty in spite of his pain. Did his duty. And all of a sudden they cast a lot. And what he'd always hoped for came to pass. Decades of serving God. And they said, Zachariah, your turn has come. You get to go into the holy place where the table of bread is and the incense altar. One time in his life, he would go beyond that veil. He's so afraid. The privilege that we squander so much of the time, he'd waited all his life for. Imagine it. And when he went through that veil into that dark room with a flickering light, all of a sudden the glory fell and an angel stood in front of him and said, old man, God's seen your faithfulness. Your wife is going to bear a son. Perhaps if you'd go a little further, perhaps if you'd spend a little more time, perhaps if you and I would take advantage of the incredible privilege we have just to spend more time with him, we might hear the word we've been waiting for. Of course, he responded in faith, I wish he about laughing. <laughs> Me? you got to be kidding me. It's impossible. Many have bought into the myth that our unbelief will stop God's plan in our life. It didn't stop God a bit. His wife had the baby anyway. It just ended up making him mute, and he could not enjoy his miracle. Unbelief won't stop God from moving in your life. It'll just stop you from enjoying it. God's sovereign. He's powerful. So they had their son. This old man and woman played their role, and I'll talk further about it in a moment. But faithful, doing their duty, God moved. That brings us to the central figures in this drama. Mary and Joseph. How many of you know Mary was not growing up praying, let me be the first virgin pregnancy. Raise your hand. I mean, she wasn't going to say, God, I pray right now. I just want you to make me pregnant as I'm reading the Torah. That was never on her mind. She was already betrothed to a man named Joseph. 
He was building up his business. And betrothal in those days was more than engagement. If you were found to be unfaithful with another person betrothed, you could be killed and stoned for that. She was 14, probably 13. Customary those days. We don't know where she was outside, in her home, day, night. The Bible doesn't say. But we do know from the book of Luke in chapter 1 that one day the angel Gabriel came to her. You ever wish, man, I wish God would just show up in my life. Do you really? (laughs) To whom much is given, much is required. Gabriel shows up and she's scared to death. Why? She knew her Old Testament enough to know whenever angels came, it's fairly serious business. This young 14-year-old girl, an angel shows up and says, Mary, you're highly favored. She goes, "Uh uh-oh. You have been chosen out of every girl and every woman in all of history. You will be the mother of God. She goes, how? There's not a model for that. And today, the Holy Spirit is going to make you pregnant. I mean, put yourself in her place. Like, you know what, that's an angel? Is like this a dream? And that little girl has a choice. And all of us make it. It's just not so dramatic. That when God speaks to you, whether it's Morgan preaching or in your devotions or someone else, and the word of God comes to find rest in your heart, your choice will determine whether you're a womb or a tomb for God's word. It's just reality. That word's going to live in you or die in you. Only you can determine it. She's scared to death. If it's not true, she don't want to be a fool. If it is true, she don't want to be stoned. There's no joke. And she said, well, she's probably on the ground. Like, how does it work? How does God do the impossible like? How? We'll get Elder John up here who's a genius when it comes to babies. He'll tell you, virgin births just don't happen. There's only been one. And the fact of it is, how? Angel said, listen to me. I've spoken to you. And now the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the presence of God is going to overshadow your life. You're going to conceive it. Word, spirit, presence conceives the dream of God in you. Word, spirit, presence. You receive the word. You stay filled with the Spirit. You come into His presence. And that which is impossible can be conceived in you. I know many of you are facing impossibility. Your health, your life, child, your finances. You find it so easy to believe in here, but so hard to believe outside that door. Why is that? Because this is a place where you're in the Word, The Holy Spirit is moving, and you have his presence. And that is the atmosphere where faith grows. That's the atmosphere where faith grows in you. Perhaps if we recreated that atmosphere at home, it would be the same. Perhaps if we held that word at home, worshipped at home, invited God's presence... And so she believed. 
And the Holy Spirit touched that little girl. And the presence of God descended on her. And life was conceived in her womb. That is only the beginning of her sorrows. Who do you tell? Who do you tell when you're the first virgin birth? We'll get to Joseph in a minute. Joseph, I've got good news. God made me pregnant. At least it's an original lie. Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe it. I was like reading the Torah, the book of Moses. Man, God made me pregnant yesterday. Who's going to believe that? But in the message of that angel, God gave her a hint. He said, oh, by the way, you remember your old cousin Elizabeth? She goes, oh, yeah, my old aunt, old barren aunt. Oh, she's six months pregnant. Why was that news? Because she went into seclusion for five months. No one knew. Why did God tell her that? Because God realizes who you run to when you're pregnant with a miracle is critical. They don't happen by themselves. Who mentors you? Who you find? Finding spiritual family. Because how many of you know in a pregnancy, the first three months are the most volatile? And when God speaks to you, when God calls out to you, when God comes to you and you're pregnant with something new, if I can use that term, pregnant with something new for God in your life, in your profession, you better find your Elizabeth. I believe in scripture is silent. It's my supposition, my opinion. She once said, mom and dad, I've really missed, you know, you know, Aunt Elizabeth, I've really missed her. Mom said, well, go see her. Now, you may think, well, once the angel spoke, she believed. It's not that simple. Face a journey, not a moment. Yes, we have believing faith and we're saved, but it's no easy issue. One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible, you can read it later, she gets to Elizabeth's house. Now, Elizabeth is old. I personally, when you look at scripture, I I don't even think the baby's quickened yet. She knows she's pregnant. But she just wants to feel that life. She's waited so long. No one knows the last thing she wants to tell everybody and have a miscarriage. She's there. And all of a sudden, it's not like you could text and say, I'm coming, or email and say, I'm coming, or call her on the phone. She hears the voice of her young teenage relative, Elizabeth. And all of a sudden, when she hears the cry of Mary, that baby quickens and leaps in her womb. The Bible says she's filled with the Holy Spirit. Tears break out, and then she prophesies. How could I be so honored that the mother of God come and see me today? Who do you run to? Who mentors you? Who disciples you? Who prays for you? Who's in your life? Who you run to many times determines the success of what you're carrying. This is the power of discipleship, the power of family, the powerful of building multi-generationally. Mary had her confirmation and Elizabeth had her confirmation. Every time I hear the voice of the next generation, something quickens in me. Every time I minister to a student, every time I minister to a young person, something happens in me as well. Said Mary stayed there three months. Three most volatile months of that pregnancy. 
Then the bad news came. She had to go home. And there was a man named Joseph. You think about this. Many would think, oh, Mary's great. She believed when an angel came. How many of you, it's one thing to hear it from Gabriel, it's a whole other thing to hear it from Morgan. Or me. Or your spouse. Joseph didn't have that privilege. He found out either indirectly or directly from her. Maybe she told him we don't know. Maybe she came home and she said, Joseph, I wanted you to hear it from me. I'm pregnant. Well, that minimally was divorce or death. Or maybe her parents just came and said, we're sorry. Mary's pregnant. Man, he had been saving up years to marry this girl. Years. It was his dream. And now as far as he's concerned, she's just a harlot. He heard some strange rumors. Family's always been kind of nutty, a little different. I mean, some, I mean, there's a rumor she says God made her pregnant. Made no sense. Only had a partial message. But all of a sudden, something in his heart began to wonder. That's a crazy story. But Mary's never lied. That's a crazy story. But I've known her since she was a little girl. It's not the way she is. Oh, God will tell you some crazy things. You'll hear things that don't make sense. And here's what the Bible said. When he was open to considering it. When he was open, the Bible says, to the possibility that this was really real. The same angel that came to Mary came to him. His plan was just to divorce her privately. Just to walk away hurt, but not slanderous. I've watched many people come to the moment of their destiny, but it didn't make sense, and they got hurt, and they divorced themselves from God's purposes quietly. They still go to church, but they never serve again. They still come, love God, never give again. They may sit in church, but because they've been hurt or burned, they never speak against the pastor. They don't slander. They don't gossip. They just divorce themselves from their purpose. Too hurt. They said when Joseph thought, what's bothering me? I I just can't divorce this girl. The angel appeared and said, the child she carries is not of man is of the Holy Spirit. And he fostered the Son of God. What if he would have left her? Abandoned her. Only looked back years later and seen he was wrong. I know you've been hurt. Wounded. The only place where you can get in hurt as badly as your biological or birth family or adopted family is your church family. So easy just to quietly draw back. Be careful. Perhaps if you'd consider what God said. Perhaps if you'd consider God would speak to you. Of course, then the child was born. How many of you, if you were Joseph and Mary, would be expecting a pretty spectacular birth? Just be honest and raise your hand. 
Which wing is going to come out of the birth canal first? Like, is gold going to flow out to pay for him? Surely big trumpets are going to blow. I mean, Mary, I mean, she got pregnant. She knew she didn't have a man. And at least she was thinking, is he going to come out full grown? Like, is he going to come out a baby and grow overnight into God? I mean, Joseph's thinking, is he going to have wings? I mean, Joseph is just trying to believe. Mary had an angel. He had a dream. He's thinking, I know there's going to be a crown, a golden glory. is going to flood our eyes. We're going to get to Bethlehem. We're going to be in a mansion. That night in the barn, things didn't make sense. No midwife. Listen, destiny is on a donkey much of the time. Destiny pulled into Bethlehem. No one ever recognized it. By the time they recognized God had been born, the wise men were putting treasure and they were gone. How many times does destiny ride into this church from a teenager or a college student? There in the barn, that baby was born and Joseph thought, it's not what I thought. There's no golden glory. No gold came out. Where's the crown? I mean, they're both. I mean, if God got you pregnant, how many you expect something big? Just raise your hand. Oh, come on. It's got to be different. I mean, if God got you pregnant, you'd have hundreds of doctors all to watch. They had, a, you know, a donkey or two, a sheep, a cow. Think about it. That's the way destiny is. It's natural. Blood, sweat, tears, work. It's not what you think. And then you got a colicky God and you're burping him. Mary, I can't hold God any longer. It's your turn. Oh, how it's fun to believe. Oh, how much harder it is to take him home. It's just reality. They're sitting there scared to death, in a stable, far from home, holding little God, and he's helpless. That brings me to my last point. What do you do with this message? Why did God pick shepherds? They were despised. They weren't even allowed to share testimony in court. Maybe it's because they were the only ones awake that late at night. The angels came and told them the whole story. You've heard it. Shepherds watching their field by night. Angels worshipped. They heard the message, the gospel. God's come to redeem his people. They heard... But they didn't just hear, they hearkened. They heard the story, and God said, oh, by the way, you'll know it's God because he's born in a barn. That's like weird. If I'd have been God, I'd have had a different plan. He'd been born in Rome, Alexandria. I mean, giant angelic guards, big trumpets splitting the heaven. They hearkened. They went. Found that manger at Mary and Joseph's greatest point of need. And fell down and began to worship. And Joseph said, what do you do? And they go, an angel just came and said, God was born. They hearkened. Then they heralded it. The Bible said they spread the word everywhere. You were born with a part. Born with a role. God is still casting for the greatest redemption story in all of history. He's still looking for faithful Zacharias and Elizabeth 
who will do their duty even when it doesn't seem to be working, who press deeper and change history. He's looking for Annas and Simeons who pray and believe the impossible, not for days and gripe, for decades. So looking for Marys change all of human history because I say yes to the impossible. For Josephs, who are willing to believe what they don't understand, willing to open their hearts, willing to go beyond what they've ever understood. Still looking for people who will not settle for hearing, who really hearken and obey, who will inherit it. What if God wants to be born afresh in Austin? What if he wants to do something new? Our broken, fragmented country. If he's going to use someone, it's going to be people like you. The drama's not ended. There's a different cast every generation. He's still looking for Mary, for Joseph, for Zechariah, for Elizabeth, for Anna, for Simeon, and a bunch of shepherds. Bow your heads a moment. Pastor Morgan, come up here with me, please. You're going to say, Pastor Jim, I want to be used by God this year for everything he has for me. Slip your hand up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, move over this congregation. Lord, I thank you that you became a human to save us. I thank you that you became one of us to redeem us. And I pray the message of Christmas would not just captivate our heart. It would catapult us into our purpose. Bless Mosaic Church. Bless this church. Bring us into everything you have for us.